Hi, Barbara Ann. <laughs> Hi, Vera Elizabeth. How do you do? I do pretty well. Okay, I'm really nervous about this episode. Why are you nervous? Well, we're reviewing a book called... It's called A Breakup because it's broken. Yeah, I, I thought of some key breakups in my dating romance career. And I thought I'd go back to the first time I really had a, a broken heart. Yeah. And it was so hard to read. Your diary? Yes, it was just intolerably difficult to read about what led up to that breakup because I really contributed... Almost all of it <laughs> to being dumped. That is so interesting because I read up a little bit in my diary about my breakup and it seems that I was not completely innocent. <laughs> so before we get into our own experiences with breakups, let's talk a little bit about the book. Mm -hmm. It's called A Breakup Because It's Broken. It is by Greg Barrent and Amira Ruotola Barrent, a mm -hmm. lovely married couple. Uh, we got this book because we were in a Las Vegas when this book came out at a comedy festival. Lucha Vavoom performed for, I remember, a bunch of just uh, straight-laced, which is funny considering it was a comedy festival, but I, I seem to remember no one uh, reacted at all. No, people come to comedy <laughs> festivals to cross their arms and frown. Maybe it was all industry. Oh, that's yes, what it was. exactly. It was industry. Okay. People trying to hip pocket. Yeah. yeah. So Greg and Mara, they, their book was coming out. They did a little Q&A. They read some of their, some excerpts. Mm -hmm. When was this? 2005, the year that I got married. Oh, okay. Did you read this book, Barbara? Uh, I did. Mm -hmm. And I remember really loving it. It's very funny. And I think we're going to be saying a lot of good things about this book. Yeah. Did you find it useful? It kind of clarified some stuff for past relationships. Uh, at that period, I think I was very much on the offense. On Sounds the, fun. On the dumping fence, <laughs> dumping stuff over the fence. Oh, I see. So you should have maybe purchased as many copies of this book to give and out. Just hand, yeah, yeah. yeah. Is it, <laughs> on first dates, <laughs> hey, you're going to need this in about three months. Maybe. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about how the book is set up. Two thirds of the book is talking about your breakup, and the last one third, if I'm doing my math correctly, is the breakover, mm -hmm. where you get over what you've just been through. That's great. Um, in reading this the second time, I didn't get that far. So, can you fill us in? You on... didn't get to the breakover part because that—that is the part that I could not relate to because I—I don't think I've ever really had a breakover. What? What would you do? Oh, you just jump into something else. Well, I would—I would experience the breakup during the relationship. Oh, okay. I, I guess I, you could say that I've been mostly the dumper. I was the dumpy once in a relationship where we got back together and then I became the dumper. The breakover that they describe in this book involves a 60-day period of no contact. And I actually, my the breakup I had with the boyfriend Marlon was almost exactly 60 days and I did absolutely everything wrong. So I this book came five years too late for me, unfortunately. But the first half, uh, you can tell by looking at my book, a lot of notes. A lot of notes. Yeah, I have color-coded post-its. Oh my gosh. I know. That's so you. Isn't it though? So there's only one real relationship that you're going to use as reference for this? Yeah, I'm going to focus on the one. Okay. The kind of breakup that they're describing in this book is something I haven't been through recently, mm. where you delude yourself, where you want to contact that person, where you, you know, it's clearly not working, but you still want it so badly and yeah. you would do a lot of things for it. It's where I was like a thousand percent in my relationship when I was dumped before I was the dumper. Okay. So that everything in this is 
just rings so true for me. The thing that would make me relate to this kind of breakup were the relationships where I had future plans and the future plans were destroyed. Mm-hmm. So there's, yeah, the first one, then I, then there was kind of a short one, but it was somebody that I, I wanted a lot of the kind of personality traits he had and what he had to offer and his connections with the world. So that also hit me really hard. Mm-hmm. I'm seeing where our styles are going to differ during this podcast. Can we, we'll take photos of these books, but mm-hmm. I've got like, post <laughs> <laughs> And then Vera's got these these adorable little color-coded post-its. <laughs> they mean something different. Well, in that case, I'm going to start with my first post-it. <laughs> so I'm going to start with my blue post-its. Okay, okay, okay. All right. My first blue post-it is kind of um, Greg's inspiration for writing this book. Mm-hmm. And he tells a story about a girlfriend that he was with. Things were not working out. She moved across country, and he ooh, continued ooh. to call her. Wait, wait. Is it, which post-it, which color is this? Blue. What's blue for? Like, really? Blue really important what's the word I'm looking Cause for because one of them was for cutesy language or something and I bet I bet I've posted in the same place you did oh we'll yeah find out. we should compare those okay yeah really pithy like uh, important ideas okay. are my blue post-its so the first one was basically he came down to this moment where he was drunkenly calling this girl across the country and he got in touch with like concierge or something at a hotel that she was staying at and uh, he couldn't even pronounce her name correctly mm-hmm. and the concierge said are you sure you want to make this call sir and that's when everything stopped for him and he decided no he did not Ooh, that's like an angel are you sure you want me to make this call sir wait that's that's dice he started out as a, as a concierge at the paramount hotel yeah okay hey, we're cutting all this <laughs> On page six, I have a, a yellow post-it. I, I have yellow and pink post-its, and the pink ones are for when I ran out of the yellow ones. <laughs> On page six, it says, I couldn't get past the idea that my life wasn't turning out the way I'd planned. Oh, so that's what you related to. That was from your, yeah. Yeah, yeah. because when you plan stuff, it's really disappointing when things don't go your way. I know, and especially when it involves somebody else who just does not care, I guess. I don't know. And you can't make them care. Yeah, you can't. My second blue post-it in a chapter that's just called, it's called a breakup because it's broken, is during this time, the breakup time, mm-hmm. when you feel decimated and powerless, remember you are still in control of at least one thing, yourself. Yeah, because yeah. you really can't do anything about the other person mm-hmm. who won't call you and or does call you and doesn't give you what you need. It's not until 152 that I have my next blue post-it. Uh-huh. And uh, that's for the chapter called Fancy Meeting You Here, which was one of my favorite chapters oh. because I really went through a lot of uh, needing to call. Anything that you could think of hearing as an excuse or something that might come up or you go, but what about like, they have covered that in this book. And I think, unlike certain authors that will not be named, because we're not going to give him any more of our time, these people... <laughs> You're talking about Sherry? We're talking about Mr. Sherry Argoff. Uh-huh. Uh, they interviewed, they said 500 people. They had 500 people respond to a survey. So you have a lot of information coming in here. Part of the setup of the chapters is they talk about their own personal experiences. Uh, they answer letters, and their answers are delightful and funny and very brutally honest, these uh, somewhat fictional situations that are presented. But that's where you get some of the best information because they present all these different scenarios from all these people, whether or not they're, you know, amalgam of different responses to the surveys. That's one of my many favorite parts. After that, they uh, they have the best worst news mm-hmm. where they, again, give it to you straight. They have Psycho Confessional. Psycho Confessional is basically after all this really positive feedback from Greg and Amir, you just get a story that's absolutely out of control, a response to the survey where you just go, oh, goodness, thank you. I'm not a part of that. But then also, I think if you have done something crazy, which I think a lot of I have 
definitely crazy and in denial at the same time. You know, it's kind of nice to see that stuff reflected because, you know, it gives you a little insight. I saw a lot of breaking into voicemails and emails. Well, so this book came out in 2005. Mm -hmm. Not the fault of the book, but there are some updates needed Yeah, if you want. But I think it mm -hmm. holds up. It's still very funny. Early on, I thought the um, him seeing them in the driveway. <gasps> did I you yellow posted it? I yellow posted it. I knew you did. <laughs> Let me find that one. <laughs> yeah, my first yellow posted is uh, in one of the what I did wrong sections because Greg and Amira, as I said, speak very personally about their own experiences. Greg does the what I did wrong and she does the how I got over it. Oh, is that yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. What I did wrong by Greg. It happened slowly and it super sucked. She's been hanging out with this guy from work. Let's call him dude. You know, going out and having a drink, that kind of thing. Just her and the dude, who is really good looking. A lot of people are handsome and funny. A lot of people are handsome and funny. Totally cool. Then I caught them making out on the driveway and I thought, this is suspicious. <laughs> that That is what happens when a stand-up comedian writes a self-help book. What were some of the sentences that you liked in this book, Barbara, um, that spoke to you? Uh, so one of the things that we love is that you're constantly reminded that you're a good person, mm -hmm. that you're awesome, that you're a... That you're a super fox. Super fox. Yeah. Now, do you like that word, super fox? It could use an update now if they're going to reissue this book, which I think they should. Mm -hmm. Although it's, I don't know, everything in it is still so good. So there's some band names and stuff? Yeah. I mean, they mentioned like Dave Matthews Band and Stained and Puddle of Mud. All those people are mostly still around. And then the last thing I want to update is Juicy Couture, and I don't know what to update. Oh, that too. I don't I don't have clothing brand now. Just like high-waisted pants. If people today had to wear the the real high-waisted pants of the 80s which had all the body-hugging beauty of jodhpurs, those things are f like Junko. Do you know the remember Junko? Pants? No. These are like the two tents that you would wear on your legs and then go raving. We're way Wait, off topic, aren't are we? Are you talking about, hold on, but I like that jeans are now high-waisted because... Low-waisted uh, were no good. And that actually is supposedly coming back too. They hurt. They, they're so painful. They cut into my legs. I did not have a muffin top when I was wearing low-waisted pants. You, you but, still don't have one. But it one. created one <laughs> yeah, exactly. for me. <laughs> Wait, you just remind me of something, though. When I cut all this together, it's going to be like, pew, 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 pew. <laughs> it's going to be so good. But until then, hold on, wait, let me think of what that reference made me think of. Oh, the low-waisted pants made me look like I was about to start an Instagram ad for... Oh, Shaper Mint. <laughs> Shaper Mint. No! And then I just stopped. <laughs> and what then is just, with like those frozen... ads? <laughs> it's got to be porn for somebody. Oh, There's a totally. super specific way that they pull up their shaper mints. And the, the smiles on their faces. The smiles on their... They, they get it just underneath their gut. And then they just pull it all the way up. Yeah. And their, their gut just goes... And just disappears. On the real though, mm -hmm. uh, since I had triplets, I could use some shaper mints, like mini shaper mints. I'm just saying I can do that with a pair of tights if I wanted to entertain So what you're myself. trying to say is you might have a second career in is, weird shaper mint porn. I'm, what are, does that pay? Is that a webcam thing? I don't know because I'm picturing like when you're in like that self-submit world. Oh, what is it called for that? You know, as you had that experience. Mm -hmm. um, uh, yeah, you're going out for ugly girl. Yeah, I went out for ugly girl. But there's like... Didn't get it. <laughs> but there's, and I was disappointed. <laughs> the listings, postings will be, you know, just exactly what they want, which is Gunt. has a lot of. Okay, you said that word again. You said you'd never say it. We had this conversation a couple of weeks ago and you said the word. I'm not going to say it again, but. And then, like, we're in elementary school. I said, Where did you hear that word? And you said, Tammy said it. Just because Tammy said it doesn't mean you need to say it. And you just said it again. Tammy did say it. And we're, that's exactly what we're talking about, though. There's no other word for it. What is the, what is the correct word for that? Uh, there's another word. It's like fupa or something. 
Oh, fupa. That's <laughs> oh no, that's even worse. That's a terrible I acronym. What, I forget what it means. Anyway, if I go on a hiatus for too long at my job, I may set up a camera I and should. and do deflated mother of triplets <laughs> pulls on pantyhose for slight thrill of <laughs> half-heartedly interested audience. That's totally impossible, Barbara. Come on, all right. You're that's ridiculous. Crazy. That's you're absolutely talking crazy. Okay. Oh, we didn't record any of this. You serious? No. <laughs> Just kidding. This is gold. <clears throat> Back to where? What are we doing? Back to the book. I'm going through this with my you, own. You have post-it post it vomit. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what that is supposed to be. Okay. I'm just. I'm. So I'm, I'm seeing a couple things that are jumping out. Can, do you mind if I jump? Just jump in. With jump, jump some around. Stuff jump as, up. as you're doing. Jump up and get get down. Down. Yeah. Okay. On page seventy three, there's a dear Greg letter, mm-hmm. and it's a woman writing in to say that um, what's wrong with a little rebound sex, mm. and it's a woman describing having sex with her ex boyfriend's roommate. Mm. Something I did. I did. Oh, you did that. It was so what? so painful to read this. That's what I'm saying. I like these letters. Wow. It was horrible. And I actually felt better doing it, though. Did you? Because he, I think he calls, what does he call the woman who writes the uh, letter? Dear Crazy Lady. Oh, I see. Yes. <laughs> this was in college. And it was the first person I'd ever had sex with who didn't want anything to do with me afterwards. Mm. And I spent a good period of time trying to get over that. Actually, it wasn't even a break. That's why that didn't occur to me, because it wasn't even a breakup. It was just like a thing that happened. It was pretty important to me, though. Yeah. Yeah. I think that I finally got it out of my system, as they say, by ending up with his roommate. His actual roommate. His actual live-in-his-apartment roommate. Ooh. So how did that go? Dumb. What was the look on his face? Did he drop his bowl of cereal on the ground? I think he came by later, like the next day or so, and said, hey, that was really weird. But you know, I didn't care because I did have his attention. Yeah. Yeah. So I get this book really does gives me a lot of those things. (laughs) Because yeah, when you're that, wow, this is bringing me back. It's been many years since then. And I kind of wish in some ways that I could be that invested in something. My priorities are so different now. Yeah. So invested in somebody breaking up with you that you'd hatch a plan to just fuck to just f their shit up. <laughs> why did I? Why did, why did I censor one curse word, not the other? <laughs> That's the rules that we have for this podcast. Okay. You can only say gunt and shit. <laughs> you said it. You said it. Well, you Tammy said it. Said it. <laughs> but yeah all right so that's just a little side note but, but you're going to something um where you have another blue post-it one something that spoke to me um really personally on page 180 in one of the what i did wrongs by greg is uh we weren't in the same relationship ever and that's i you know i went back and read my diary entries from around the time that i had been dumped by my boyfriend marlon little Wait. backstory I, i'm gonna say it was my second relationship ever really and i was uh, i met him i was 20 he was twice my age and that's a subject matter we're going to get into with one of our upcoming books, mm-hmm. The Huge Age Gap, Older Man, Younger Woman, or... Or vice versa. Exactly. But, uh, you know, we were together from the time I was 20 to 24, and he was in his 40s. Actually, when we broke up, he was just about my age. Now. So, yeah. So yeah. the idea of, for me, dating, you know, a 25-year-old is absolutely ridiculous and kind of makes me uncomfortable mm-hmm. thinking about. But he, he was dating somebody in their early 20s. And I realized from reading this book, from the, between the age 20 and 24, like, I changed so much. You don't change that much between 
between ages 40 and 44. I mean, you can do some changing. I think you can. You can. You want, oh, oh, what did you just say? If you want. And one thing that he told me while we went back and forth during what should have been 60 Days of Silence had I had this book and read this book, but I did not have it read it. We talked a lot. Like we were in communication, you know, sometimes it would be seven days at a time that I wouldn't hear from him and I would, it would make me very sad. But every time I spoke to him, he told me the exact same thing. I don't think there's anything wrong with what I'm doing. I don't want to change. And he said it like uh, a lot. And I mentioned it in my diary a lot. He says he doesn't want to change. and But I didn't hear it. Like yeah. I never listened to it. And the things that he didn't want to change were he had been married before and didn't want to do it again. And I did. Like I wanted to live with somebody. You know, you're 24 years old. You have some ideas, or actually at this point, 23, some ideas about what could be possible in your future. Marriage, having kids, living together. Like I don't think any of those are sort well, of what? Did you want to be? like a mistress for um, like a number of years until he found another mistress? Well, I think like his, the, you know, the way we got together was I was, he had been married, um, wasn't a great relationship. I was probably the catalyst for him leaving, but they had already had very rocky times for many years before that. Oh, I know what you were. <clears throat> you were a crowbar. The stakes were so high for me because my, you know, I had to tell my parents who knew this person and his family that I was in love with him and that he was, that we were going to be together. It was, it really ruined my relationship with my father for a very long time. I had to give up so much for this that I, it's hard for me to accept the label of like homewrecker. Oh, I'm not saying homewrecker. I'm saying he, I was an excuse. You, he angled you between him and his wife and then pushed and then she was forced away. Are you being sarcastic? Not really. There wasn't that much of a basis in reality. I don't want to talk about this. I just... Um, do you have a golden gun? <laughs> what? Do you have a golden gun? Baby, that is gun? so disgusting. That is... Do you? Do we need to end this podcast right now? I just want to know. Was that it? That, none of that was even there. Like... I don't know. I'm so I'm uncomfortable talking about this stuff. Good. <laughs> what? <laughs> well, it's part of this. I guess so. I guess so. What I want to say in summation is that the relationship started very fancifully, mm -hmm. you know, um, and he said something to me super early on in the relationship. He said a friend asked if we we're going to get married. And he said, no, we're not going to get married. This is him telling oh, me. This is him telling me this story. He said to his friend, no, I don't think we're going to get married. We might have kids, but we're not going to get married. So uh, in this one hilarious anecdote, he let me know that he has no interest in getting married to me. He might, he might knock me up, but my response was nothing but positive to that because I thought it was such a bohemian thing to say. And I didn't, you know, I didn't actually grow up thinking like, oh, I can't wait to have kids and get married. Like I, I didn't have that princess fantasy going so part of me was like well i really love this guy and i'm really excited to be with him sure i'll go along with this as the years went on though that kind yeah. of fell by the wayside and i maybe wanted somebody who would return my calls mm -hmm. and we made a go of living it with each other and it lasted four months and i got kicked out of the apartment that i found for us so an important point though is that at no time did he really pretend that he wanted something other than what he wanted, which was not that life that he had just gotten out of. I actually have that exact um, same italicized sentence with a post-it on top of it. I mean, that, that really struck me. We weren't in the same relationship. I mean, it made me think like, is anyone ever in the same relationship? Are they? I don't know. That's a good question. But that's interesting that he told you from the beginning. Some people won't be that upfront. That's a testament to your denial. Well, I mean, okay, in my defense, though, he would, you know, get drunk and say maybe we should get married. Yeah, but that's in, a thing. Yeah. Upon reading my diary entries, like, I think he wanted to be with me, but he didn't want to be in that relationship. There's one part in the end um, when they're talking about 
about the, in the breakover, they talk about uh, get all his stuff into a box mm-hmm. and put it aside. And there's a part in my diary where I'm talking about I'm literally putting his stuff in a box, a box that I have brought with me. It is oh. on the floor right here. Oh, boy. <laughs> and he called me while I was putting all his stuff in the box and pretty much just talked me out of continuing with the breakup. Ew. I know the timing was absolutely ridiculous. I guess we needed a, another full year of closure, I guess it was. I mean, yeah. had we remained broken up at that time, I think I would have felt sad about it. I probably would have uh, saved a whole year, but you know, maybe we did need that one extra year because when it was finally over, it was over, over, and there was no no backsliding, which is a term that's used in this book. So, And then also you're the one who dumped at the end, right? It didn't feel like a dumping at that point because I felt like we'd... I'd spent a whole year sort of trying really hard and just letting him do what he wanted to do. You know, he's going to go out to a party and not have me with him and not call me. And I, my attitude was, what can I do to make myself feel okay about this? And I did that for a whole year, you know. So in the end, yeah, I did sit him down and say, we're not going to do this anymore. Oh, here's a really important one. And this is not even about relationships. On page 217, Greg, in a section called Dude, I Know What You're Thinking by Greg. I'm just going to read it and you tell me what I'm saying, okay? Okay. And keep in mind, this is 2005. Then I did the weirdest thing. I started throwing everything on the floor. It was time to deal with all this crap. I emptied drawers and boxes. I pulled things off shelves and out of closets. I guess I figured if it was on the floor, I'd have to actually do something about it. Do you know what I'm describing? Marie Kondoing. I am. That is exactly what I'm describing. Greg invented Marie Kondoing. That's amazing. He invented Greg Barenting. <laughs> He exactly describes conmarieing or Marie Kondoing. What, what it, it's conmarieing, right? I don't know. You know more than me. Oh, I love Marie Kondo. I could only get so far. Oh, oh, in the process? In the book, yeah. Oh. I couldn't. I couldn't burn my family. Doesn't she say to put all your family photos in your car and then set the whole thing on fire and <laughs> push that off? A cliff. Yeah. I did. Um, uh, the first one is clothing, and I did that, and it was great. Mm-hmm. The second one, I did books, and that took a little longer. I can't even talk past books. <laughs> The third one is papers, and it took. I'm still doing it. It's been over a year. Yeah, I have to do it in sections. But yeah, the the next part is. What about um, um, boxes of ex boyfriend's belongings, like this very '90s uh, shabby cheek box that you've brought to my home? (laughs) (laughs) That just screams. um, What is that? That's not Ross dress for less. Oh yeah, it is. Is it? It's shit. Yeah, there's only one of them. It had like a an orange sticker over a regular sticker. (laughs) It's a very markdown. It's decoupage over some type of. It's fake decoupage. (laughs) Open it up. Let's see what's inside. It's like 50 pounds. I'm gonna I'm gonna be in control of what's in it, okay? Does that person you're married to know that this? <laughs> he does. He's not. He's. N- I think it's good that everything that was mm-hmm. from the Marlin relationship is in one box. Okay. First thing on top, a s- fucking set of scrunchies. <laughs> one of them's made out of pearls. <laughs> what is this bullshit? Okay, we're gonna Marie Kondo this. <laughs> no, this. not my scrunchies. <laughs> they're not even they're stretchy anymore. No, two of them are. Tell me how romantic these were in your side ponytail. Okay. <laughs> I used to have long hair. We don't have time for all this. Yes, we do. (laughs) You'll be interested in these. It's a selection of photographs featuring both of us. Okay. I know about some of them. You're in some of them. I was in some of them. You are. Didn't he take naked photos of you two? Artistic Um, naked photos or something? Not uh, very artistic. You can't see anything. Here's a bunch of letters. Remember before when I was saying I wish I had like the tenderness that goes with the kind of person who gets her heart broken. This is reminding me of that. Is it? In a good way or what? Yeah, in a good way. I have 
boxes of X's stuff too. Okay, this is perhaps you remember the font we were talking about from oh my God. Uh, our previous book. Um, this is an embossed, drippy <laughs> splash, the relaxation spa brochure. It's in mint condition. Uh-huh. It it was this, a bunch um, of disgusting rooms. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. No, they are. It was a place that was on I guess sort of in West LA that um was like these rooms you could rent out that had like jacuzzis and hot saunas and whatnot and beds and um the two days before we broke up we had always wanted to go to this place and check it out and we went there two days before we broke up and uh, all i could think of the whole time we were there was i feel nothing so that's why I should... so it's open from 11 30 a.m to 4 a.m 365 days a year uh-huh. where la's gone to relax since 1979 yeah it was definitely in 1979 i like... never went there but i'm picturing was it tiled like in a bathroom but on the outside no it was it was like um themed rooms like we had some type of rock it was almost like you know madonna inn but it it's nowhere near as unskeezy as a madonna inn type situation because if i didn't mention before there were beds in every room for your protection, we follow Splash's seven steps to cleanliness. Oh, God. Your water is completely cycled every three minutes. Two, your water is continuously filtered for purity. Oh, three, purity, huh? Your well, you water better is... do better than that. <laughs> I think we're going to need a bigger filter. <laughs> your rooms are thoroughly disinfected. Ew. Everywhere a person can sit, stand, touch, or lay. After each use with the same broad-spectrum disinfectant used in hospitals. Oh, this is so gross. I, I find this disclaimer very disturbing. There's way too much time spent on Would you how not... your room is, quote-unquote, disinfected. Wouldn't that be your first... <laughs> concern as well i guess so i guess there is i guess it was definitely a 1979 creation and now it's gone okay so that's there um i have some some fabric he he took me to this very fancy like on rodeo drive place to buy me um lingerie lingerie and uh i just remember feeling really embarrassed and like i was pretty woman yeah why don't you wear that stuff it's old and I didn't, I don't want it. And I don't want to wear it. And it's got, um... Oh, this is like high-waisted panties. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know. Okay, put it away. Put it away. I can't look at it. <laughs> anyway, that's it. So what are your feelings when you go through this box? Um, it feels like a different person yeah. put this all this stuff in here. It's from a million trillion years ago and doesn't have anything to do with my life now. But I don't know. This is pretty romantic, this postcard. Yeah. So when I inherit that box, can I just put in a garbage can? <laughs> <laughs> You're so sure I'm going to die first. <laughs> Maybe I'll live. Well, I was reading some of my diaries trying to find, like, as I mentioned, I was trying to find my first breakup that broke my heart. Mm -hmm. And if you ever read that diary, I'm going to be very, very, very sad. So I think you kind of have to pass on first so that you never are exposed to this diary. Okay, look, this is what I've been doing with my diaries. I put, I have a post-it, obviously, in the front of everyone that goes, Barbara, first of all, I address you. (laughs) Uh Barbara, if you're reading this, here's, here's what I was thinking. (laughs) Right. (laughs) What is your plan with your diaries? Because I do not want my child reading them. Uh, Well, I don't know about my my diaries from the past when I was reading Anna East Nin. (laughs) Very good influence. (laughs) Um, I had my my Nin period too. Oh God. Where everything is just whatever. Oh, it's oh my gosh, I was so graphic. Really? Yes. But anyway, for now, because I have kids, I have two diaries. Are you kidding me? Nope. One of them is all about (laughs) them and how wonderful they are. And um, the other one is about, you know... What actually is going on. The the mommy stuff. Mm. And I'm trying to learn from past diaries not to get too graphic, because yucky who gets to read those well i was also as i was reading through these this diary just 
I also had in mind um, our diary reading career started with Mortified, the show, the live show. Mm -hmm. And we let producers read our diaries. And I recently posted something on Instagram about our episode of The Mortified Guide, which Mm -hmm. is on Amazon and Netflix. Netflix. And uh, Dave Nadelberg, who he owns Mortified, he's the king of Mortified. He said, oh, we have to come up with a new one. And so that was in the back of my mind, too. And I thought, I can never hand this diary over to anybody. It's no matter how funny it is, it's just I'd be having a 24 hour heart attack until he gave my diaries back. Well, number one, how old were you in these diaries? Not young enough. I was like 20. <laughs> oh, I think that still counts for Mortified. Number two, really? 20? You were doing NIAs? No, I was like 22. But I w- okay. no, I was super into her during college, yeah, which, me too. which made me one of the worst people to be in a relationship with ever. It was great. She fucked everybody. And, um, and be- gave no cares? Uh, she fucked everyone. She gave no cares. She had a very, um, a very damaged uh, childhood. Oh, yes. Uh, incredibly. So she uh, had an excuse, but uh, we did not. Uh, well, not the kinds of uh, excuse she had, but I guess I wasn't able to ask for the things that I wanted. So when I didn't get the things I wanted, I would just go get other things. Oh, Bibi, no. Yes. You cannot do it. So reading back over my first big heartbreak, we were both not good partners, but I mean, I would write about the person I just, who wasn't him, who I just spent the night with, and then write in the next entry, like, I feel like he's distant. Okay, well, or whatever. I don't, I don't know if that's a completely uncommon scenario, because I would write about, even if I didn't do anything specific, I would write about crushes and stuff in the same breath as, like, my boyfriend. You know, I would write about them, almost exactly what you're saying, like, you know, I'm unsatisfied in this relationship, or I'm not getting what I need, or whatever, but then also I... And then just paragraph after paragraph about like having a crush on somebody or yeah. and just with no sense of what I was the, the irony of what I was writing. But I wonder if you and I both did that. Is that fairly common? I clearly didn't know myself at that age. Also, I just wanted, you know, I needed to experience stuff. I think it would be fairly common if you're reading somebody's junior high school diary that they would probably talk about a billion boys. And I think you just whittle it down as you get older. Right. And I don't think 20... I I certainly was not an adult at 20. And I'm not trying to justify bad behavior. I'm not going to vilify you for that. I think you're trying to figure stuff out. I still, I actually don't really feel that bad about it. But I I would feel bad if that's who I was now, because you cannot be that naive at this age. Well, you can, actually. I think you absolutely can. But for where I want to be in my life, I don't want to be that confused now. I knew what I was doing. Like, don't have sex with other people if you're in a relationship. I knew that. But if I I ask you to, I mean, this guy who I just adored, he would, like, he had this ex-girlfriend who was always around. And I remember driving to a club one night and I had to sit in the back seat. Ooh, no. And she was in the front seat. And she was in the front seat. Stuff like that. When you're, when I was that young, I, I'm sure I let him know that I didn't like it, but like, Jesus Christ. Yeah. What are you supposed to do, but go out and find another dude? That's you know exactly what I mean? right. And then I feel better about myself and then I'm not, meh. And then you can be a little nicer to him. Listen, hear me out. Uh-huh. Because you, you're feeling a little better. You know what I mean? Like your self-esteem has been bounced back up. It is and a self-esteem you did, thing. And you didn't even have to get him to say sorry. You know what I mean? Like everybody wins. Everybody wins exactly. in this scenario. He doesn't, yeah. He doesn't have to man up with that stuff, whatever that thing was with the ex-girlfriend. Yeah. He can be completely content with having his, for some reason, ex-girlfriend sit in the front seat while you're in the back seat meanwhile you're not going to bother him with this other dude you're having sex with you know that's just your thing oh yeah yeah it's like yeah don't don't worry yourself about it yeah i take care of myself you know what i mean i work on myself and also yeah i'm gonna minimize what you just did with something that's much worse (laughs) 
hey, this thing so like, you know on what? paper is yeah. innocuous, <laughs> but bothered me to a certain extent. I'm going to go ahead and do this. If I said it out loud, would sound make me sound like a total a-hole. Yeah. But you know what? You know why I was the saint, though? Why were you the saint? As far as you know, he never found out about that particular person. <laughs> I didn't put it in his face. Come on. I didn't put him in an awkward position. No, you didn't. No. You know what I mean? I just was gone one night. Yeah. You, whatever. Who knows where I was? He didn't even have to call you. He didn't have to. You know no, what I mean? It's like, you know, go give, out. Give him the night off. Yeah. Go out with your friends. Yeah. I'll go be out fine. With, go out with your ex-girlfriend. I don't care. You know why? Because <laughs> I've had quite a bit to drink and I'm with someone else. <laughs> So there. Who are these characters, by the way? I don't know. They're they're, they're the, the person that I you know, have to be uh, when I can't be myself <laughs> talking about horrible things that I did. Yeah, puts a distance. Yeah. Puts a distance of about 3,000 miles because yeah. we're New York as a kid. Right. Yeah. I don't think I'm the only person who picked up Anna Nin's book. Actually, it was Incest, and it was I think it was released right around that time. So. Oh, I read it, too, at exactly the same time. Yeah, and then it makes everything you do look not nearly as bad. It, everything and, you do is not so, even, it's not as exciting as no, what she got up real, to. She was so smart and well-read, and she was a writer, and she my, lived what, in Paris in the 20s. One of my favorite quotes from her is, My beautiful voyage ended in a sea of vomit. <laughs> She's a words. She's a wordstress. Yes, she was in sorceling. Oh, in sorceling. I learned, I learned that word about her. That is my favorite word and, uh, from Berlin. Yes, uh, crepuscular. I don't know. Well, remember how she used it? But, is that uh, uh, referring to crepes? That's crepuscular, oh, crepe. and that is uh, the infection of the crepe. Oh. <laughs> mm, crepuscular is. Does the... it turn you Nutella y? I went too far. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're gonna we're gonna have to ask you to reel that back in. <laughs> With my crepe slash Nutella metaphors and puns. Where? Piazza. No. Uh, do you want to know what corpuscular means? Please tell me. Fat? No, is that corpuscular? Um, yeah, that's when... Oh, I just want to make another gun reference. Please stop talking about G-U-N-T-S. You, you G brought word. it up. You brought it up. You brought it up. No, you said it. No, you're the one who brought up Shaper Mint. Um, about more of this book? I'm just going to flip through some stuff real quick. Do it. And, and just like little gems. Okay. Do it. Mm. Oh, here's a letter I liked. Dear Greg, I was going out with this really great guy from work. At first, it was just a flirtation, but he finally asked me out and we got hot and heavy pretty quickly. Because we worked together, we kept our relationship a secret. I would have been fine with that, but our boss, not knowing that we were together, asked my boyfriend to oh, take a client's this, daughter. This fucking story. <laughs> Take a client's daughter out for dinner and suggested that dating her would help seal a big deal for a company. Long story short, he had to start dating this other woman for work and now he says he's confused about his feelings for me and thinks that we should take a break. What do I do? So Greg writes, reality check, he did not have to start dating this other woman. If he were so great and if he really cared about you, he'd have told his boss he had a girlfriend. I don't know. It's a great story. I've dated someone at work and, and I've been a secret and it sucked. Tell me why you were the secret. Why would you be a secret? Well, because he owned the company, I guess, and I was his employee. Hmm. Yeah, that and doesn't sound that does. I gotta that doesn't sound great. I didn't see it like that because I didn't didn't get the job because of that. Yeah, yeah. but um, I do remember walking down the street with him. He would only hold my hand if we were like in the dark, in like the dark. <laughs> I could only hold like my, in an alley, exactly. And <laughs> okay. then I remember him saying to me so sweetly, um, "You're my secret relationship," I and. I thought there was going to be a second part. No, that was cool. just nope. that. <laughs> just you're my secret. And you're my it. dark, dirty, 
but gross. It was like it was like what you're saying with uh, Marlon. He said exactly what was happening, which is you are my thing that I'm hiding. Yeah. But at that point, I was old enough to I, I'm sure my I just went limp because that's that means you're the person I'm not telling anyone about. You're the thing that doesn't really exist. I wonder if for him that was exciting. Like or was that his um, attempt at trying to sound exciting while just laying down the facts that would be my guess why are you dating somebody that you worked for because i almost exclusively date people that i work with oh i have to see somebody a lot before i trust them i feel the same way that is well except for the one time that it really worked out but i did get to see him i got to see him in action at his job yes you need to see many facets you need to see you need to know that that person isn't crazy Mm -hmm. that he um that you have interests that you're attracted mm -hmm. and you need to see him in or her in the context of other people yes uh, that's why I'm so bad at internet dating. I would, internet I would dating, they call it. They call it internet dating. App, app dating. Yeah. I need to see somebody every day for like a year. Email, so, email dating. It sounds so sensational that I date almost exclusively people I work with. It sounds like maybe I'm trying to make a power move. I have never benefited from dating someone at work. I've never moved up in a company because I've dated somebody. I just have to know who they are. And I'm, I have to, I'm with you a thousand yeah. percent. The people I've dated have been somebody I literally lived in a college dorm with somebody I worked with and saw and knew for three years Mm -hmm. and then somebody who I saw around a lot before we were together those were my three best relationships because you the chances of meeting somebody that you really connect with because they said that they also like you know cheeseburgers or whatever like on tinder is not that's not a thing yeah it's not that's not enough and also no one is there's so many people write not interested in a pen pal nobody is interested in getting to know somebody else first yes which i get but even for a hookup you kind of don't you need your brain stimulated a bit before you fuck before you effort <laughs> I don't know. Oh, oh, I don't I don't know because I'm not in the dating scene, but you are. But can't you imagine it though? I can't connect with somebody. Like there's got to be something more exciting than I don't know. That's a big question we're going to have to get to because I don't I all of that is a mystery to me. I just I in all three of my long relationship cases, I sort of fell in love with them before we were together. And that's how I roll because I knew them and I knew that they were people that were that I had, would have a connection with connection. don't you need you need a common language and yes. you need to have little cute things that you bond over so where are we in this book we're just flipping around all right okay what else do we have little post-it little I'm, po- I'm gonna I'm, it gonna, I'm, little I'm gonna flip to just any old um post <laughs> any okay. random post-it um oh here we go in a chapter called stop calling in sick which is you know about getting your life back mm-hmm. on track and, what color is your post-it uh this one's pink okay this is under best worst news and the sentence is The best worst news is that you've got your life back. I know what you're thinking. I don't want my life back. I want my shitty relationship back. That's what I thought. (laughs) I thought that a lot. What about this? When you want your shitty relationship back so that you get to be the one who throws it in a toilet. Does anyone really consciously want to do that? I didn't. I wanted my shitty relationship to work. Mm. I'm going to continue on this thought. Um, The next paragraph, it talks about all the stuff that you can do now that you are getting your life back on track and just Greg and Amira list a whole bunch of things that you can do. Um, And they describe this time as a gift. This time is a gift. And you should recognize that you might never have this opportunity again because your next relationship might be the one. And it's a, there's a possibility you're never going to be single again. And that's actually what happened to me. And I just, I wrote uh, such freedom in knowing the rest of your life presently is a mystery. Won't be this. That, that was my note. If you go through with this chapter and do all the stuff that you now have the freedom to do instead of waiting by the phone or thinking mm. about him, you know, and, you know, they list things like, I don't know, 
yoga or taking a hike or mm-hmm. just like that is time that I will never personally have again. And I'm while I'm very happy about that, like I will never have hours and hours on end after I come home from work that's completely my own to pursue whatever I want. That time is a gift. Yeah. Your breakup time is a gift. And uh, giving that to somebody in the form of being sad or obsessing about what they're thinking about. Like when you read it in this book, it becomes very clear that you are just handing your life over to somebody else. Who doesn't want it. Doesn't want it. Doesn't, doesn't want, want it. it. Doesn't want it. Has made it clear. Maybe even will waste your time more with breadcrumbs and that type of stuff. Yeah. That was a great thing to read. And from my perspective now, I uh, completely agree. They make a point of really illustrating too that the person who breaks up with you has been going through this process well before you knew it was happening. Yeah. Nobody just ends a relationship on a whim. Right. They have to really not want it anymore. So I think that's a really good point to understand too. Also explains why that person is not thinking about you after it because they've done all the thinking they needed to. Exactly. Up until the point where they broke up with you or made you break up with them or whatever it was. They've they've already, yeah, yeah. while you're you're busy wondering, you know, why aren't they calling and what are they thinking? Like, I can tell you from my perspective when I finally broke up with Marlon I was like I just I felt relief but I would do things like I would cry for him because I felt so bad for him that he didn't have me what no but listen though hold on I know that sounds very self-centered but I knew that he was blindsided because he we had a cycle of him kind of like as I said lowering the bar and then me accepting it and mm-hmm. stuff like that so like I think he believed this was probably just going to continue forever and he would just do what he wanted and I would agree to it so I think that he felt blindsided when I finally said no and I that made me feel really bad for him. And uh, I was also reading my diary about two months in. He, We were in contact and he told me he had finally... Um finally gone to a therapist, which I thought was amazing because mm-hmm. I'd been asking him for five years. I was like, hey, congratulations. Good on you. He also went to a psychic that told him just to hang tight that in two years we'd be back together. I felt really bad for him because I didn't not love him. I still loved him as a person, but I just couldn't, I didn't want to be with him. Yeah, so I cried, but they were like the happiest tears I've ever cried in my life. Mm, yeah. Very different kind of tears. Like I didn't have, I felt sad for what he was going through. I had some sympathy, but there was nothing, like no amount of wild horses would drag me back to that. Yeah. Go go to another post-it. Post it me. Uh, let's see. Dumper's remorse. I don't know. It says the second condition is dumper's remorse. I don't know what the first one is. It doesn't have a post-it on it. Dumper's remorse is different from revisionist romance disorder. I guess that was the first post-it. Because it's not about being de- deluded about what kind of guy he was all along, but rather about second-guessing yourself. With dumper's remorse, you've seen the reality. You know he's not the one for you. And you've been brave enough to do the deed, but then you're faced with your first weekend alone and you start second-guessing your decision. Oh, well, that leads to this, that Oprah said, doubt means don't every time. Well, Oprah was a big... No, she was super yeah. into the first book. So you He's gotta... just not that into you. He's yeah. just, he's not that guy who's into you. He's, What's it called? He's that guy who is on the fence possibly about you you should read this book and figure out whether or not he's not on the fence he's not on the fence he's that book said he doesn't like you anymore the book was how do i figure out if he likes me oh really yes isn't it always no probably if if you're wondering the answer is yes see i think with this book and that other book that i haven't read Uh uh-huh you already there's it's real simple (laughs) it's real simple trust your intuition and yes it's over yeah he does no 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 take care of yourself you're great yeah that's really all you need to know but this book is so great because it gives you something specific so as we were saying like you go okay but what if this and then then that specific thing is in here at some point that says actually oh there's a letter into greg and he calls her vicodont (laughs) which i really do appreciate that because i definitely um i had had some back pain (laughs) you had a little back pain a little back pain to to 
quote Eddie Pepitone, you know what? My back is a little sore. <laughs> yeah. Let's take that. Let's take That's, that Vicodone. That, that is a big pill. I need a beer to wash this puppy down. <laughs> Might get stuck in my throat otherwise. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, that also, was... I don't care to walk anymore yeah. for this evening. That was that was me after my first marriage ended. Yeah. The pain, the emotional pain was so great. Yeah. And... Mm, boy, oh boy, you've got, you got to, hey, they changed the formula. Don't try it now. It'll make don't, you sick. Exactly. And don't snort it. I don't know how I know that. Don't do don't any do. of this stuff. Please it's horrible. Don't. But yeah, there's lots of ways. So I really, so, you know, I'm going to get, I'm going to get over this with a painkiller. You think you're going to get away with that? Nope. <laughs> Says it right there. Don't do it. Can I flip? I'm going to flip. flip. All right. Let me see. Um, I don't like that. I think we've come a long way from page 178 where somebody, I'm not, I don't know who wrote men are pretty dumb, really. Oh. Well, there's this little bit about it's like the Mars Venus stuff. Men seem more sexually driven by nature and seek companionship more frequently and less selectively. I'm hoping that this will change in our public consciousness because, yes, I think that there's a libido thing happening. But I think men are also given license to act like dumb fucks. And women are told to overreact to things. And really, I think we're a lot more similar. I do, too. I think people, it's just the way, like, in the same way that men aren't, you know, supposed to cry or whatever. Like, Um, my my kid cries constantly. And I always, I champion that because otherwise you're going to grow up to be a man who thinks you can't cry. Yeah. You're told stuff enough. Why am I still doing New York? telling oh could you not i can't even process yeah i can't process it so i gotta do new yorker yeah yeah interesting i have one i have a single green post-it oh gosh for something i didn't like and that is in the chapter called if you mention his name one more time all right i have to ask you about this because this whole chapter is about having a breakup buddy and it's you know like somebody that you'll call Mm -hmm. instead of calling him and they'll talk you through it and the sentence that i underlined is uh let them know and them being the breakup buddy let them know this might take some time but if you could have at least an hour of time a day from one of them you'd be grateful am i just like a bag of bricks that i couldn't relate to this (laughs) sentence at all because if i had any friend who asked me for an hour of time a day to cry about their boyfriend i don't have that in me and you but you were the only person like in reading my diaries you were kind of i went to my mom too but you were mostly the person that i went to did i take an hour of time a day from you or am I just a person who just keeps it to themselves? I think you do rely on yourself a lot. But I think you, you probably did share stuff with me. But this maybe an hour a day was more likely when people use the telephone to talk to each other. Oh, right. Because people don't do that anymore. That'd be like yeah. an hour of texting a day. Yeah. But yes, you are very independent. I think you probably should rely on your friends more. Get ready to pencil me in for an hour a day then. You don't have any. Well, I, I would be happy to be here for you. I think it's very important. I really like the chapter on relying on your friends because it says also like make them food and take them out and treat them well because you need them and they're going to get very tired of you there is a lot of work you need to do by yourself i think i think so too it's really unfair to unload on somebody constantly because they have their own lives and if you're in that mode and you never ask a question about how they're doing you're an asshole yeah you are i didn't do that to you like I don't know, take up too much of your time. No, you didn't. I think I wrote in my diary a lot. I have page after page of like all my thoughts and them going back and forth and every, all the minutia of like he called me and we talked and this thing and that. I think my diary was my breakup buddy. You didn't do a very good job since we got back together. In reading my diary, by the way, do you remember that you actually had a breakup at the same time that I was going through my, my breakup? Who is it with? Um, I don't know his name, but he... He played an instrument. That was one of my hardest breakups. He's the one I referenced earlier. I really wanted his life. I wanted his social life and his experience and his 
personality and I see like really early on he laid it on very very thick and then I told him I loved him and then he just disappeared like a fart <laughs> like a fart in the wind yeah and it really because you guys broke up in the middle of my breakup and then all of a sudden it's new year's and we both went off to our respective people that had we had broken up with yeah yeah we we did a lot of back and forth stuff but he was seeing someone else almost the entire time I mean I think we've talked about this before but I think when we first met him was at a party and he uh hit, hit on, on you me. first yes <laughs> yeah and then all of a sudden he just uh was not interested in me I, I had my boyfriend at the time so I guess this boyfriend yeah yeah I had yeah. this boyfriend yeah, yeah so and so it's it was such a horrible nasty thing that went on and on and on and everyone knew he was with someone else who he eventually married. Oh, Every, really? Everyone but me knew it. Didn't you find her shoes under the bed or something? I found her, someone else's shoes. Oh, a third, a third person? Yeah, third person's. I found her shoes by the door and I was so mm. in much in denial that he just lied about it. And Maybe he kicked her out without her shoes on. <sighs> I don't know. Probably Sorry. not. You were saying something from the heart and I made a joke about him kicking her out Oof. without her shoes. Well, he's doing just fine. Are you guys friends now? Uh, we're, we're friendly. The last time I saw him, I ended up dating his really good friend. Mm -hmm. I met his friend under completely different circumstances. And it was more like a footnote that Mm. we had this guy in common. My boyfriend took me to see him perform. Oh, fun. Did you know that you're... Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, you know, it had been many years, many years, many things had happened. Mm -hmm. And I was open to it. And that motherfucker (laughs) gave me like those eyes like those like he was still playing his weird and I'm not making it up because it was like it just kept coming it was like a barrage of eyes and uh I don't I never want to be that vulnerable again where I and and deluded because we didn't have a great relationship yeah I just really responded to the amount of tension he gave me in the beginning yes that is one of the points that they make Mm -hmm. Amira talks a lot about wanting like the initial falling in love and the the lightning bolt and all that kind of stuff and holding on to that um, as opposed to paying attention to how their relationship is progressing and yeah. the fact that that stuff falls away. And maybe this is a common thing with women. I don't know. Because I like I that's something I want to hold on to and still work for in as the years go on. And the guys I've been with have just sort of accepted that that period is over. Uh-huh. I think that's why uh, Marlon and I had the cycles because every time you start a cycle, you kind of start oh, it over again. Yeah. And he was that's what he was into but Mm -hmm. that's not realistic because you can't do that because the other person's really it makes the other person really sad yeah but Amir talks about that a lot yeah I don't think we mentioned Amira's exact story but she was married to the guy that who had broken up with her and uh she talks about the pattern Uh, for years I was stuck in a wildly unhealthy pattern in my relationship it went like this things are great we're in love we're inseparable I feel happy all the time we have so much fun and then he starts acting weird distance picks fights he drops the I think we should break up thing and she talks a lot about how she holds on to what is in the beginning of the relationship Mm. like the sparks and the lightning bolts and all that kind of stuff and she can't let go of that that she doesn't see all the stuff that happens after that and I think that's I think that's fairly common I mean it's better to be positive like that right and I mean that's what you want that's what you want to end up with so yeah why would you not it's good to be positive but then you can't do that at the uh, expense of you know your denial that the reality yeah exactly because that's not the person's being pretty clear with you that they're where they're at anymore yeah you know and to pretend that you can look back at the past you know both of you have grown and changed and that's it makes me sad but I relate to that she she has um on page 78 a quick note on rebounding Mm -hmm. she suggests that you rebound with old boyfriends I 100% agree (laughs) 
that is that is a very that's a very tidy way to go about it. It is because you because you know who that person is, mm-hmm. and there's some positive memories. You yes. know that uh, it won't go anywhere because it didn't go anywhere before. <laughs> so it's a nice little package that you yeah. can uh, you can be with someone you trust. Little self esteem boost. Yes, and yeah. I didn't realize that you could get back together with your exes for sex until you know like my thirties. Maybe it's like a thirties thing. Mm. Like I think when I was younger, it was like you you slam the door in someone's face or they slam it in your face and then you never connect again or maybe maybe things have changed maybe that was just me but I found that in your 30s you have dumb relationships and they don't work and then you wait a couple years and then you do and then you call that person up and you guys both know exactly what it's for really but there's yeah I never got to do that yeah oh Um, that's lovely yeah I really didn't know that that was a thing it's great it's very comforting oh bet it is Mm -hmm. yeah well should we sum up this podcast we've done a lot of talking we have i love this book i do too i i think it is still so relevant i think everybody should pick up a copy i if i'm not mistaken i believe greg and amira have another book that's coming out soon that's about marriage and i can't wait to read that one as well okay yeah they've been together for a long time they've got they've got a lot of very honest insight to share with the world highly recommend it zero fleshes what's the opposite of a flesh barbara um how many golden guns do you give this barbara oh no we did it yay (laughs) 